could see you all open your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, we'll be looking at verse 15 today. You shall not steal. We've been going down through these 10 words as they're known. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we're in what's known as the second table of these 10 words. Um, that is the last six commandments. Today we're on number eight. And as we look at this second table, it always points back to the first in telling us to reverence God uh, or to consider the uh, mankind as those who are created in the image of God. And so uh, it's very important for us to uh, look at these and see how do they apply to our life and how do we prevent ourselves uh, from breaking these commands or disobeying the command of God because these commands are characteristic in us keeping these commands is characteristic of those who believe and follow Jesus. Uh, so when we see these commandments, we say, oh, I don't have to keep these commands to go to heaven. Absolutely not. But if you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, you will. You'll pursue them. You'll want to obey them. That's the desire of those who are in Christ. Um, and so I've just entitled this today, Don't Steal. All right, figured I'd keep it simple. Don't steal. Uh, we should not steal. I've been stolen from. My house has been broken in before. And anybody who's experienced that, whether it was a breaking and entering into your home, or someone took property out of your vehicle, or someone took your vehicle, uh, or, you know, something to that effect, um, you know how it feels like such a violation. And uh, stealing harms others. Because mankind is created in the image of God, that should concern us. And so we should have uh, at the forefront that taking something is disrespecting that. So I want us to see three ways uh, right now and just think about this, uh, that stealing does harm. First of all, it does harm to your own soul because it is indicative that you do not trust God to provide for you. Stealing indicates you don't trust God. That is a red flag waving concerning your soul and to, as, as to whether your soul is redeemed. Whether you are saved. So the first thing is, is that stealing does harm to our own soul. Second thing we need to see, it does harm in this. It harms others who are image bearers of God. I just mentioned that, but I mentioned it again. I want us to know that each one of us... Whether you are redeemed, whether you are not redeemed, you, that person is a bearer of the image of God. We should not take from them. Thirdly, stealing harms the community at large. Stealing harms the community at large. Retailers report the loss of $50 billion a year. In theft. A little over a third of that comes from shoplifting. 
Do y'all know what another third of it comes from? Employee theft. Employees taking from their employers. And so uh, we see that what, what, what's the result of that? How, how does that uh, affect me? I'll tell you how it affects the community at large. A higher cost of goods. It costs more. And retailers will tell you, businesses will tell you, corporations will tell you. Uh, I'm going to tell you, they're not going to take the hit on that $50 billion loss, by the way. All right? They're going to pass it on. And they'll let you know 15 goods cost 15% more simply because they know they're going to suffer that loss. So uh, it does harm to our soul. It does harm to others. Not only those you steal from, but also those who are your family members that you bring harm to because you've stolen. But also it brings harm to the community. I want us to look at three things today primarily, and that's this. I want us to look at the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament say in regard to stealing? Well, if I told you everything that the Old Testament says in regard to stealing today, we'd be here all day long. Uh, because there are numerous, numerous passages regarding theft and stealing, um, defrauding. Uh, it's, it's a broad term. Secondly, I want us to look and see what does the New Testament say in regard to, to stealing. So stealing in the New Testament, what's, what is that? And then I want us to uh, apply that and see how that is done today and why people break this command. Why do people steal? So first, let's look at the Old Testament. Uh, it simply says right here, verse 15, you shall not steal. Notice something about this command. Notice something that is not there. There is no object. All right? It doesn't tell us uh, what we cannot steal. It doesn't tell us when we cannot steal. It doesn't share with us who we cannot steal from. And it doesn't give us, uh, tell us why we shouldn't steal. Now, with there being no object, this means that you can't steal anything at any time from anyone for any reason. Okay, so it's broad. I mean, it's, it's just covering everything. So there's no object to the command. You could call it a generic command, but this command applies in such a way that stealing is never to be done. Why is that? Because as believers, we trust in the providence and the provision of God. We trust in God to provide. He is our provider. There's no need for us to take what we do not have and what is not ours to take because God will provide for all our needs. He promises that over and over again, doesn't he? J.I. Packer writes, It is not God's will for us to have anything that we cannot obtain 
by honorable means. I read that again. It is not God's will for us to have anything that we cannot obtain by honorable means. Stealing is a sin against God's providence. Because if you're stealing, you're saying, God can't provide for me what I need. But He can. It's simply a sign that you do not trust God. It's also a sin, like I said, against the uh, image of God because it's harming a person created in the image of God. Let's look at some examples here in the New Testament. You can probably turn a page or maybe on the same page, probably a page over Exodus 21. Exodus 21. Look with me at verse 16. And so we're getting an idea of what does it mean, don't steal. Verse 16 says, whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Whoever steals and sells a man, it says, so we're talking about kidnapping. Anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Person stealing or kidnapping is wrong. Didn't think I'd have to ever have to say that. But I want you to know it's something we call human trafficking today. And I've dealt with it, and it's atrocious. How men steal others. Run them across the line, state lines. Drug them, get them addicted on medications. Where they can cause them to do whatever they tell them to do. It's atrocious. It says here that man-stealing or kidnapping or human trafficking, person theft is against this law. And notice what it says. There's some stealing that results in death. That person shall be put to death. God says, this is atrocious in my sight. And whoever steals another person, the image of God, will be put to death. We look at this, we um, need to understand also that there are other thefts that we need to look at. Look over the next page, probably in your Bible, Exodus chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. We see if a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. So uh, the theft of animals uh, in the Old Testament here, uh, some of you are kind of like, well, somebody better not steal my doggy or something like that. Look, these things were their livelihood. I mean, uh, the oxen helped them plow fields and and, and, and all sorts of things. The sheep uh, provided uh, meat and wool and all. These were, this was a way of life 
This was their livelihood. And so uh, the theft of these animals required restitution based on the relative value of the animal. We see five oxen to replace one, four sheep to replace one. So we need to understand there was a, uh, some type of, of balance sheet of how you determine the value of something. Well, this came from God. We see restitution today in very much the same way. What's the value of something? Uh, we talked the other, a couple of weeks ago about uh, you shall not commit murder. And the value of an image bearer of God, what did we find? We found that uh, death was the penalty for those who murdered another. Well, in this we see that the thief must pay back restitution, whether he steals it and then kills it to eat it or uh, sells it to someone else, and the evidence points to this individual as the person who stole it. He has to pay back uh, the victim five times for an ox and four times for sheep. Uh, in verse 2, uh, we find uh, actually something we covered a couple of weeks ago also, that lethal force is approved by the law of Moses in regard to a thief breaking into a home. It says there in verse 2, if a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. Continues on, he shall surely pay, talking about the thief will pay, if he survives. If he lives through it all, you know, if you whack him over the head with a baseball bat and he lives through it, he's going to have to pay now, all right? And so he's going to have to uh, pay whether he has what he stole or whether he doesn't have what he stole. If he no longer has it, uh, or if he has it, if, he, if, if you catch him and he still has it, he still has to pay double, even though you're getting your ox back. Even though you're getting your sheep back, he still has to pay double. It's kind of like, well, why? I mean, you got your property back, you know, and all this stuff. Well, he still has to pay double. Why is that? Because there is a lesson and a point to be made. Even if you gain back what was taken from you, the thief still pays double because there is a principle, and that is this. Crime does not pay. It doesn't pay. And so there in verse 4, we see that even if, even if it's found alive in his possession, he's still got to pay. He still has to pay restitution. In Leviticus chapter 19, we jumped out of Exodus. We're going over to Leviticus now. Leviticus chapter 19, I want you to look with me. There's another way of, that the Bible looks at theft uh, and stealing in the Old Testament. In chapter 19, uh, we find, first of all, uh, all of y'all won't have these subtitles that exist uh, in here, but love your neighbor as yourself is what it says there in Leviticus 19. Well, folks, that's what the second table is talking about, isn't it? How we should love our neighbor how we should care for one another, how we should help one another. 
And in verse 13, it says one way that we love our neighbor. It says, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Well, what's he laying out here? He's saying, you know what? If you have a company and you have people that you have hired, you know, one thing that you don't do is you don't hold back their wage. If they've done the work and they've earned the wage, guess what you should do? You should pay them, and you should pay them in a timely manner when they, are, uh, when they have done the work, when they are due the pay. Now, most people have a, a pay day today, but you agreed to that as an employee. Uh, when you hired on to the place, you said, yeah, you can pay me every week or every two weeks or every month. You agreed to the payment plan by which and how you would be paid. Some employers even have uh, ways that you can go to them and you can ask them, hey, can I have an advance? I don't recommend that, but at the same time, many employers have that where you can go to them and do that. But here he's saying the wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night. Why is that? Some people live hand to mouth, okay? Uh, some people live, I mean, they, they earn the money and they spend the money. I mean, they, they earn it, they go buy groceries, they eat. And... It's, it's, now, some people live that way because they earn money and they're poor stewards with money, okay? Some people earn money and they don't spend money well. They don't save money. They don't take care of uh, the money that they have. Some people live hand-to-mouth as a result of that. Some people live hand-to-mouth because they earn a low wage. Uh, they're laborers. They're, as it says here, a hired worker. And they have low wages, and they have a family, and they have responsibilities. They're not necessarily bad stewards. They try to live on a budget as much as they possibly can. But every dime they get, they need it right then. And this is saying, you know what? It's stealing when you hold it even overnight. Because that family quite possibly didn't eat the night you held that money. So we see uh, that there are economic relationships in which uh, stealing can take place. And pointing out to this, this is loving your neighbor. The Old Testament forbids stealing under this command, including burglary, kidnapping, uh, stealing, wrongful treatment of people. Economic relationships. And it, it requires that we respect our neighbor's life and our neighbor's liberty and our uh, neighbor's property. Uh, there's one of the texts that, that uh, I looked at uh, said, you know what? If you have an animal and your animal gets over on your neighbor's property and tears up the property, you owe that property owner some money. You know, you need to pay restitution to that because your animal tore up your neighbor's property. So we need to understand that. So it's interesting. You may have never thought about this before. But the Eighth Commandment establishes property rights. You may not have thought about that before. But the Eighth Commandment establishes property rights. I mean, if you don't possess property, it can't be stolen from you, right? So there are... Uh, these, these property rights. So we're to respect these things in our neighbor, their life, their liberty, and their property. The Old Testament establishes laws and establishes 
uh, uh, restitution and what that restitution ought to be and how we should figure that restitution is to be rendered by the thief. But I want us to look at the New Testament because the New Testament applies the command to the heart and to eternity. The New Testament applies the command to the heart and to eternity. So what is stealing? How does the New Testament deal with stealing? First of all, I believe you can sum it up in a, in a, a few statements or even a sentence. Uh, stealing is not characteristic of kingdom citizens. That's one thing. And then the other thing is honesty, generosity, hard work become the characteristics of kingdom citizens. So there's two things I want to look there and how the New Testament treats uh, this commandment. First of all, look with me, if you will, at Matthew chapter uh, 19. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Look with me, if you will, verse 18. We'll look before that just to catch the context. Verse 16, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we have a picture of this rich young ruler coming to Jesus. What do I do? What's he asking about? Eternal life. What's he asking about? How do I enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, keep these commandments. It's what those who trust in God do. And what did he include in there? You shall not steal. And what is it connected to? The meaning of the second table. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, what we see is we see Jesus uh, doing something. He's establishing something here. And he's establishing uh, the requirements of those who are kingdom citizens. Not, not requirements in order to become a kingdom citizen. But uh, characteristics of those who have been redeemed. And what do those who have been redeemed not do? They don't steal. They don't steal. So Jesus is establishing uh, this characteristic of those who are kingdom citizens. How will I enter into eternal life? Don't steal. Paul connects neighbor and loving your neighbor also uh, in Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. He says in verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. How do we know this? 
He says in verse 9, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because my neighbor was created in the image of God. Paul's pointing to the characteristics of those who are kingdom citizens. John the Baptist had a say in this uh, when uh, in John or in Luke chapter three, Luke chapter three, uh, he's preaching and some people are responding, tax collectors and so forth. And in verse fourteen of Luke chapter three, uh, soldiers came up to him who had believed they had come to him uh, to be baptized, and uh, the soldiers asked him, "What shall we do?" We have believed, we're, we're being baptized. What shall we do? And John the Baptist uh, says this. Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. Stop using your authority, your power, your force to take from others. What was he doing? He was lining out the characteristics of those who are in Christ, who are kingdom citizens, who, are, uh, who have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's saying that's how believers act. But also I want you to know that it's not only that we stop stealing or we don't steal, there's also another side to that, and it goes along with what I've been saying. Kingdom citizens have a different approach and different characteristics from those who are in the world. Look with me at Ephesians uh, verse 28. Ephesians verse 28. There uh, Paul is, has said uh, in uh, verse 20, it's not, uh, that is not the way you learned Christ. What do you mean? Don't be like the Gentiles, he has just said. And all the, the, the things that they do, all the sin that they commit. You didn't learn Christ that way. But instead, he says in verse 28, let the thief no longer steal. Those who have believed, hey, thieves, you were a thief before you came to know Christ. Stop stealing. Don't steal anymore. And he goes on and he says, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Isn't that great? I mean, we see right here the transforming power of Jesus Christ, the one who, who earned his living as a thief. Now, instead of taking what is not his, he begins to give what he has earned. He goes to work. Instead of being a thief, he's now a contributor to things. Instead of consuming some other, other people's goods, what is he doing instead? He is producing goods. Not just for himself, but so that he can pass them on to others. Because those who are in Christ, uh, honesty, Generosity and work characterize those who are 
believers. They don't steal. They work and they give. Paul deals with this also in reference to slaves in uh, uh, Titus. In Titus uh, chapter 2, we see him talking to those. And during this time, uh, there were uh, there were slaves or servants. Many of them were domestic servants. Some of them were in bondage because they had a debt to pay and they couldn't pay it. Uh, so they did this. And so uh, Paul is speaking to these servants and he says in uh, Titus chapter 2, um, verses 9 through 10, he says this. Oh, I'm in Second Timothy. That doesn't work. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters and everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. Don't be pilfering things. That's another word. Don't be taking stuff, you know, that, that, that belongs to your master. Why? Because it's a good witness to your master. It's a good witness to your master for you not to take what doesn't belong to you but belongs to him. He's saying, you know what, as, as believers, regardless of the station of life we're in, regardless of, uh, of, of the circumstances of our life, we are always to live our lives in such a way that puts Christ in an exalted place in our life. And demonstrates our love for others. He didn't put some kind of qualifier on there. You know what? If your master treats you right, don't pilfer. No, he didn't put any qualifiers on the master. He only said, you know what? If you're a servant and if your master is unfair with you, still don't pilfer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul continues with this thought as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. One of those verses that just always encourages me. He goes down that list of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 10, he says, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I love that next verse. And such were some of you. I love that verse. Paul's speaking to me. And such were some of you. But... You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were changed, you were made new. The thief should steal no longer. Those who steal are demonstrating the characteristic of those who deserve hell forever and ever. 
Well, we've seen what the, some of the things that the Old Testament has said about stealing, some the New, and how the New Testament looks to the heart and looks to the citizenship of those uh, who steal. But I want us to apply this and just see a few ways that this is carried out. How do we uh, see stealing today? How's it carried out by others? How's it carried out by Christians and non-Christians alike? Well, I'm only going to list three things. Okay, there's more. But let me list three things. First of all, Cheating. Cheating. Let me be real specific there. Cheating in school. Hey, those who are in school, <laughs> don't cheat. One thing that you're doing when you're cheating, hey, look, I was in school, okay? There were a number of tests that I failed to study for. You know, if the teacher didn't assign seats... I always found that smart person that I could kind of see over there. I was bad. I was a bad kid. I ever cheat on a test? I'm going to be honest. Yes, I did. Don't do it. The reason is, is because you're stealing another person's ideas. You're taking the ideas of someone else. You're taking the hard work and you are going to gain something when you didn't do anything for it except cheat. And that's stealing. You're stealing someone else's ideas. Not only that, you're defrauding your teachers, other students, and your parents when you walk in with a grade on your, on your test that you did not earn. You didn't earn it. That's fraud. You're living as a fraud if you cheat. Do not cheat. It's stealing and it's breaking the Eighth Commandment. Secondly, theft in business is one of the big ways today. By Underpaying, uh, employees, withholding benefits from employees, not paying your bills if you're a business owner and you don't pay your bills. That is stealing from those you owe. Businesses often... Uh, overcharge their customers for goods and in not charging a fair price they are stealing from their customers as I mentioned uh, at the beginning uh, businesses lose a lot of money through theft through shoplifting and through employee theft those two things cover two-thirds of the, uh, the loss that businesses face each week or each year. Let me give you the last one. 
Gambling. Gambling. Gambling can be seen as stealing. It hurts us if we lose, and it hurts others if we win. Gambling requires that thousands must lose instead of in order for one or a few to win. Take the lottery, for example. You know, every once in a while I'll be in a convenience store, not always, often in them, but because uh, you, you know, you can pump your gas outside now. And they tend to overcharge for a Snickers bar, so, you know. Uh, but I, I've been in there. You ever get in there and you're about third in line and there's somebody eyeballing their lottery tickets? And they buy a whole stack of those things. And they spend quite a bit of money on these lottery tickets. And thousands of people like that person in front of you are doing the very same thing. And what they're hoping to do is they're hoping to get rich without work. Work is good. Work earns it. They're trying to get rich quick. And they are standing there and they're, they're piling these things up. Thousands like them are doing the same thing. And the next morning, the numbers are read out and nobody wins. The pot goes up and more people rush to the store to get some more tickets. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands pour out money. Some of them, their entire paycheck and their families will go hungry that night. All for a minuscule chance to get rich quick without work. Because in such schemes as these, thousands lose and only one or a few win. Gambling fuels the desire for wealth without any work. The last thing I'll mention is this. Will a man rob God? Yes, in tithes and offerings. Christian giving is an area where Christians steal from God by not giving tithes and offerings. Why do people break this command? Let me give you a few reasons. First of all, because they don't trust God. They simply do not trust God to be a provider. Yet, He is our provider. He is our strength. I mean, everything we have, we have. Why? Because God has given it. Everything we have, we have because we have received it. God is generous to His children. And He provides for us everything that we need. And He knows everything that we need before we even ask Him for it. Another reason that people 
break this command is because of their own greed and envy, their desire to have what their neighbor has. And so they go and take it. They don't buy their own, which may or may not be a good decision. If you can't afford it, don't get it. But don't steal it either. Greed and envy drive people to break the eighth commandment of stealing. The third thing I'll mention is this. Panic. Panic. You ever get in a real big bind? Maybe something's going to be repossessed financially. And you have no idea how you're going to pay the price that you need to pay. And so we panic and we do something desperate. And we steal what we need to pay the debt. All of these things are characteristics of those who do not believe and who do not follow Christ. You know, as we've been going through here and we've been mentioning some of these things, perhaps you've seen yourself in these things. I would say that all of us would probably say in one way or the other, in some form or another, throughout our lifetime, we've been guilty of breaking the Eighth Commandment. All of us in one way or the other. The question is, is breaking the Eighth Commandment a practice of your life? Is it a practice of your life to steal and to defraud others? Is it a practice of your life to not be fair with others in terms of wages with your employees and so forth? The scriptures help us to see very clearly that those who steal should no longer steal. Why? Not characteristic of a believer. Not characteristic of a citizen of the kingdom of God. If you see yourself in these things and you look at your life and you go, you know what? There is a pattern here of me breaking the eighth command, of me stealing. There is a pattern in my life And not just at the Eighth Command, but all of them. It's the pattern of your life. Going against these commandments. Not walking in obedience to them, but in disobedience to them. Do you know what that tells us? It may tell you that you are not a child of God. What must I do? Believe on Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin. And follow Jesus, our righteousness, all of your days. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, Lord, for these ten words. Lord, uh, so many things, uh, Father, are representative in these ten words that you gave to Moses on Sinai. So many things in relation to how we relate to you and to how we relate to one another. How we love you 
and how we love one another. And God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, uh, to see our faults, to see our sin, to see, God, where we break this and other commandments, Lord. And Father, instead, Lord, you would lead us toward the righteousness that is Jesus. Father, that uh, our hope and, Lord, everything would be in following him in our lives. Father, I thank you, Lord, for uh, your love for us. I thank you, Lord, in the love that is demonstrated in you giving us your word and your words that we may follow you and know you. And God, I pray, Lord, with all that is in us, we would seek to follow you in all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.